Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi. Military corruption is a big concern for Taiwan. It seems like every year or so there's another major news story telling us about a new case of financial malfeasance or abuses of power. But today on the show, we're going to be speaking with one group that says that Taiwan's military is actually doing a lot better than many of us think. Berlin-based international civic group Transparency International recently released a report assessing military corruption levels in countries around the world. And based on their findings, they say Taiwan's military deserves a B. Well, that is a passing grade, but I still wanted to know a little bit more about exactly what that means. So I spoke with Ernie Ko. He's the vice executive director of Taiwan's local branch of Transparency International and the coordinator for the Military Corruption Report in Taiwan. He started off by telling me, what's behind that grade? Indeed, uh, grade B is very good because we divide into six categories from A to F. A in band A means it, the, re, the corruption level is extremely low. In band B, it means the corruption level is very low. There are only one country in Asia-Pacific countries ranked band A, which is New Zealand. And there are four countries, Australia, Japan, Singapore, and Taiwan, ranked band B. There are a total seven countries this year being ranked in this round of assessment. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the methodology here? When you were gathering all of this information from Taiwan, what exactly were you looking for? What kind of corruption, uh, what kind of, I guess, bad things were you looking for in Taiwan's military? There are five dimensions, including 77 questionnaires. It covers from the institution, policy, to implementation and procurement. So we look into the overall dimensions of the uh, military operations within the military or the military and security uh, sector. But in Taiwan, we focus on only military instead of security. So, you know, you did these surveys, you did this research, and uh, in the end, you found that uh, Taiwan actually stacks up pretty well compared to other com countries in Asia. Uh, and I'm just uh, curious for your own personal take. I mean, uh, you, you're a Taiwanese citizen. You, you, you live here. So you, you know about the news that we see all the yes, time. The negative news that we see about the Taiwan military is, is pretty consistent. Uh, there are a lot of concerns about the Taiwan military. Uh, you know, just this year we had uh, the incident in which uh, celebrities were allowed into uh, a secret base and allowed to go into an Apache helicopter uh, that they probably shouldn't have been allowed to go into. Uh, so there's a lot of negative press here. Uh, so I just want to know uh, your own feeling when you got these results. Uh, were, were you surprised when Taiwan got such a, a positive grade? Uh, maybe for the general public, uh, Keith, you raised a very interesting question. This is a valid point. I agree with you. Maybe for the general public, people will think, well, there are so many bad things, bad publicity, uh, Apache uh, scandals. Why do we still evaluate this uh, Taiwan's military in band B instead of lower grade? But let me, let me uh, talk it very straight and very short. This evaluation is focusing on the policy, institution, and implementation side. We, Of course, we take this military scandal into account. 
But besides that, there are more more than just scandals. There are institutional dimension, policy dimension, implementation dimension. We all take into account. Also, don't forget, this is not just a one-country survey. This is an expert assessment, and we have to compare Taiwan's assessment with other 16 countries in Asia Pacific. So, if you look into Taiwan factor or look or look at into Taiwan, you will think, well, probably there are quite a few uh, bad publicity for the military in Taiwan. But other things, other countries also happened. It happened in Japan. It happened in Korea. Of course, it also happened quite a few in China. So you have you have to look at things in a broader sense instead of specific only in one country. So I admit that the public perception is different from the expert assessment. There is a gap, but this is why we always adv- advocacy for a more government PR efforts to let people know, let the general public understand that the Taiwan military should be do something more to persuade, to make them more persuasive instead of backward. Now, let's just talk not even less in relative terms and, 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 and really just in absolute terms. I mean, is this positive grade a reflection of Taiwan's really doing a good job, or is it more a reflection of many of these other countries are doing terrible? <laughs> Maybe it's both. Mm. In the, on the one hand, Taiwan's military has been working very hard. We see as an expert, as a uh, professor, uh, not just me, I and my TI Taiwan colleagues, we've been invited uh, into the military. We give lectures. We engage with the military high-ranking officials. We also go into the military base to talk directly to the to the rank-and-file soldiers. So we collect lots of data. It's, just, it's not just based on propaganda. It's based on information and our own observations. Mm. We TI Taiwan are pretty confident about the survey result. Mm. And also, let me stress that one thing that which the general public doesn't aware of is that uh, TI Taiwan and other NGOs, we are very we're working very hard with the ethics office of the uh, Def- Ministry of National Defense. This office, ethics office, is very new. It's only three years old. This is a total civilian, uh, civilian public servant uh, unit within the military uh, military institution. It's very unique, and we see it works. For the last three years, this ethics office has worked very diligently and very closely with TI Taiwan to launch the advocacy and the different areas of reforms within the military. That's why we see the grade is still B instead of downgrade to C. All right. Well, let's uh, be a little bit more specific and talk about what you found in uh, some of these uh, particular areas of the military. Now, uh, one particular issue that has gotten a lot of media in the last couple of years, uh, it's actually just one military project, is the clouded a leopard armored vehicle. Are you familiar with this issue? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, uh, just to explain it to our listeners, then uh, this is an armored vehicle that uh, it got a lot of attention because apparently some of the contractors uh, for this uh, got parts made uh, from China, and that apparently 
broke some laws in the uh, procurement procedures. So that's not the way that things were supposed to be done. Raised a lot of red flags. Let's not even uh, focus on the specific clouded leopard uh, issue, but instead just focus on the broader issue of procurement and how uh, things get made in the military. Did you find issues in that particular area? Was that an issue of concern for you? Thank you, Keith. Defense procurement has always been our priority on the watch list. It not, it's not just applied to Taiwan. It basically applies to every military around the world because the military procurement involves billions of dollars. It's not the trivia. It's a billions of dollar deals every year. So we watch this very closely. You talk about the Yunbao armored vehicle uh, scandals or the, the criminal cases. Actually, do you know that? Most of people don't understand that this is not the uh, outside um, judicial investigation. It's initiated by the ethics office within the military. Mm. They receive the intelligence, they provide the intelligence information to the prosecutor's office, and they collaborate each other to dig out the dirt. Mm. But but the press only repress out uh, only only report that there is a scandal something happened with within the military and they imported uh, parts from china it jeopardized our national security and the soldiers life but think about the origin who dig the dirt it's within the military it's the ethics office of the ministry of national defense so instead of blaming them we think we should give them the credit they initiate the investigation we TA Taiwan, we don't have the investigation power. We are civil society. They have they have administrative investigation. They collaborate with outside prosecutor's office. And I think in this case, they did a good job. So you're basically saying uh, the system, while there was a mistake there, the system worked. Fix it. They fixed it. Because they found their own mistake. Yes, yes. Let's look at uh, another issue. Um, and this is going to be kind of a broad issue. I'm going to take in a couple of uh, scandals here. Of course, uh, in 2013, uh, there was unfortunately the death of uh, a conscript, Hong Chongzhou. He was punished for bringing a cell phone onto his base. Uh, but then the uh, the form of punishment that he was given uh, on a very hot day in the summer uh, resulted in his death. And that resulted in... Uh, very massive protests in that summer in Taiwan and raised questions about the accountability of officers and uh, the way that officers treat their subordinates. Uh, I think a very much related issue is a more uh, recent news case would be the Apache helicopter scandal that we mentioned uh, earlier in this interview. Uh, and that also raises issue, uh, questions about uh, the accountability of officers and whether or not uh, their actions uh, are, are are really subject to higher authority, or whether they're just doing whatever they want. You know, they they meet some celebrity and they say, "Hey, come on to this base." You know, uh, this is a cool helicopter. Come on. Um, so, is uh, just this general issue of officer accountability and whether or not the rules really apply to the people in authority in Taiwan's military? Is this something that you guys took a look at as well? Very good. You know, my my students at the university also challenge me by saying that why do you give the uh, defense ministry, defense sector, Ben B? Because they are uh, Hong Zhongqiu's case, they are Apache case. Why do you still give them Ben B? Because Ben B means very low risk of corruption. 
example, let me let me read the one very simple paragraph, which is written by the London TIDSB to our uh, defense ministry. This is the, our suggestion and recommendation to the ministry to address their issue and help, help to ask them to make improvement. It says that several incidents, including Army soldier Hong's death in July 2014 and Apache helicopter classified photo in FB in March 2015, indicate an institutional inclination towards cover-up within the military tradition. There is a culture to cover up things in the military base. We want to untie the culture. We want to reform it. That's why we take a very different approach. Usually people will, t will naming and shaming. We don't. We take a very innovative approach. We evaluate, we assess their corruption risk and identify the weakness and tell them make improvement. Mm -hmm. That's our approach. So you're saying it's more important, rather than looking at the individual case, it's more important to look at the system as a whole and explaining what the broad problem is. Yes. We, we take these individual cases into account and we make the general suggestion and also we do the follow-up checkup. Hopefully, we can work with, not against, work with the military to make improvement. Mm. So uh, I did a little bit of reading from the uh, international press about this report that was released. Of course, it wasn't just released about Taiwan. It was released about countries all over the world and uh, all over Asia. And if you read the kind of press that came out about Asia and Asian militaries, uh, one of the biggest concerns is that uh, these uh, militaries in Asia are not really reflecting uh, the wishes of the public in those countries. And quite often, they're not very transparent uh, and they are not uh, consulting the public about uh, how those militaries are being developed. And uh, quite often the people there don't really know why the military is doing what it's doing. They have yes. no idea what it's doing. Yes. Uh, is that an issue that you found in Taiwan, or, or is Taiwan relatively good in that regard? Well, there are several weaknesses. For example, our procurement uh, has been uh, dominated by U.S. arms sales. Mm -hmm. There's no way out because of the Taiwan unique international status. Mm -hmm. But there's no excuse to make this deal secret. We have to make sure that uh, even this is a foreign military sales, MAS, still have to be transparent and more accountable. The other thing is uh, military operation. We don't have overseas assignment. We, do, we don't participate in international peacekeeping mission because Taiwan is not member of United Nations. But still, there's no excuse to to seclude, to to cover up everything in the military. We, we want to make sure the military operation is up to the international standard, to look at the better military practice, to seek the best practices in the world, and to make, make in par with these uh, peers. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've already talked about uh, some of the issues that you found and some of the areas that you focused on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the areas uh, where you think that the military should really be doubling its efforts and trying to make improvements? What, what, what is your assessment? Yeah. First of all, public engagement or civil society engagement is our priority. We recommend the Ministry of Defense to pay more attention to the public engagement. 
it's not it's not just annual open up the door to let people to visit the military base. It's part of the program, but which should... is what they've been focusing on in the last couple of months. I mean, there have been uh, tours of the Apache helicopter base, uh, etc. But you're saying that that's not really the important thing. Yes, yeah, seeing is believing. It's a good thing, but it's not enough. Mm. We we focus on the, the in depth engagement. For example, we would like to know more about their how do they conduct their internal investigations on corruption or other crimes within the military. We would like to know. We would like to see more external um, assistance to help them to identify the weakness in the military operation. These are all uh, ongoing issue. For example, there's a uh, there's a ministerial level of anti-corruption and, uh, committee. In the Ministry of National Defense, but so so far there's no single external committee members. So we are asking them, keep asking the ministry to open up to at least to retain two or three, a couple of external independent scholar or expert to sit in the committee committee to help the defense ministry identify the weakness of the corruption risk. And so, help our listeners understand. I mean, that that sounds like a very bureaucratic fix. Help our our listeners understand why that would make a difference. You can't see it overnight. There's no silver bullet. You you have to compare with the past. Three years ago, when we first launched the uh, government defense anti-corruption index in 2013, it was very hard because our military has never heard about such index. Actually, there are so many corruption index measuring corruption levels, more than 20 as far as I know. But this index is the only one so far measuring specifically the defense corruption. Mm-hmm. So even by that time, even our Ministry of National Defense uh, were not aware about what what is this. They, they have no clue at all. So they don't even want to see us. But things after three-year endeavor and and persuasion. They are not just opening the door. They welcome us. You know, last year, we signed the MOU between TI Taiwan and the National Defense University to strengthen the anti-corruption research and education. We are engaging with the military institution, not the general university. It's a one giant step. We invite our TI chair, uh, Mr. Jose Ugas from Peru, to witness this signing ceremony inside the National Defense University. It is a giant step, but very few people understand it because uh, the publicity is uh, limited. Usually the press focuses on <laughs> scandal or bad publicity. That's why we say we advise the Ministry of Defense pay more attention to the publicity and public engagement. Hmm. So you're saying, just, I mean, sticking on that note for a second, you're saying that the trajectory is on the right path, uh, but still the publicity is an issue and the public perception is very negative. Uh, Do you have any theory as to why, I mean, you're saying that basically the military has issues, it has things it needs to work on, but overall, I mean, compared to other countries, it's doing relatively well do you have any theory as to why uh, that public perception is so different from uh, what you're saying the reality is? There are so many factors, uh, both internal or external factors, influencing the public perceptions. But I can elaborate one or two for you. For example, Taiwan's people, in general speaking, are very critical of the government. 
And their, that's kind of a good thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Also, in terms of our society, we are a free society. People are free to say or to elaborate what they think. The other thing is we have a free press. These press are very critical of the government. <laughs> you know? That's why there are so many factors compound and contribute to the so-called lagging behind or bad publicity for the military. But I don't think this is a, a bad thing. You know, uh, being uh, being criticized maybe is a momentum for them to make a step forward. Mm. All right. Well, we have been speaking today to Ernie Ko. He is the vice executive director of Transparency International Taiwan. Uh, Ernie, thanks so much for speaking with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Keith. This has been another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. Thanks for listening. For ICRT. I'm Keith Manconi.